Hello, and welcome to the Codcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. The Massachusetts Senate has been rocked by a controversy involving its president, Stan Rosenberg, who has stepped down from his position following a Boston Globe report alleging sexual misconduct. But unlike the rash of incidents across the country that have seen prominent officials taken down over such charges, there are actually no allegations of sexual misconduct by Rosenberg. Instead, it's his husband, Brian Hefner, who is alleged to have groped three different men and forcibly kissed a fourth. The alleged victims, who all had business on Beacon Hill and who are thus far anonymous, also told Globe columnist Yvonne Abraham, who broke the story, that Hefner said he could help their cause in the legislature. That is what has tied the whole issue to Rosenberg. Officially, he's taken a temporary leave from the presidency while an investigation proceeds. Many seem to think he won't be returning to the post, regardless of the findings from that investigation. Joining us to try to sort all of this out are Boston Globe columnist Joan Venaki and, from the Berkshire Eagle newsroom in Pittsfield, the paper's editorial page editor, Bill Everhart. Bill Everhart, the editorial page editor at the Berkshire Eagle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. And Joan Venaki, a columnist for the Boston Globe. Welcome to you, Joan. It's also nice to be here. So, Bill, let's start out with, with uh, hearing a little bit of your take on, on what's happened uh, with uh, former Senate President Stan Rosenberg at this point. But you wrote an editorial uh, in, in the Berkshire Eagle that appeared on Wednesday with a, with a fairly strongly argued perspective on, on, on the situation. Uh, give us a little sense of your, of your take on it. Well, this is certainly a unique Massachusetts kind of spin on uh, the common sexual harassment allegations we're hearing all over the place these days. And and the difference is that uh, the former Senate president wasn't actually accused of uh, any wrongdoing. It's his husband who was. But then the issue becomes, was there any political influence that uh, was was brought about by the actions, alleged actions of uh, Mr. Hefner? So our our view is uh, we, we did the right thing to step aside, at least temporarily. But uh, our, our view is different from many who said he should st- step aside permanently. We'd like to see the investigation go forward because, as of now, he has not been accused of any kind of wrongdoing. And, and you sort of ended it by saying you certainly could see uh, a, a scenario or an outcome from that investigation that would uh, allow him to return to the position, in your view. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. And uh, I think part of our, our view is that uh, so far, with Rahad is career as the Senate president, he's done an excellent job. Uh, even the, seems like the minority Republicans are happy with the, the way he runs his ship, which is not as dictatorial as we've seen before from other Senate presidents or House leaders. So we would like to think that a guy who's done a good job and uh, has so far not been accused of anything should be able to come back. But of course, that depends on what we find out as this ethics committee inquiry goes forward. Right, and that has that's just begun. They haven't even yet named sort of an out this outside investigator. They're talking about bringing on Joan. What's your sort of you know sort of top line take on on it as it's unfolded so far? Well, first of all, I agree that it's complicated and that it's different from other sexual harassment cases that we're hearing about. Um, and I I take to heart what um, Bill is saying, but I think it's going to be really difficult for Stan Rosenberg to come back. Um, and I, I also agree he's been a good Senate president, so it makes me sad to say that. 
I think it's a matter of, of judgment, and he's shown bad judgment in terms of um, his spouse. And you could say, well, he's not, why should he be responsible for his spouse? Well, Seth Moulton is congressman right now because former state representative John, uh, U.S. Representative John Tierney, was held responsible for his spouse. Um, in a more existential way, Hillary Clinton was kind of held responsible for the misdeeds of her spouse, Bill Clinton. So I think in the real world, you are held responsible when um, your spouse is accused of, of wrongdoing. Right. I mean, I think it, it, it is, I, it may be really unique nationally in the sense that we've now seen a, you know, a prominent political figure or, you know, even extend it beyond politics to any major figure that we've seen sort of fall uh, during this this period of sort of uh, new reckoning with sexual harassment, but to have fallen because of the actions of their of their spouse. I guess you're sort of extending it. I mean, currently the climate is this discussion of sexual harassment, and you're saying if you think about sort of other cases, Tierney's case obviously didn't involve, you know, sexual misconduct or harassment allegations. That's right. Um, the wife in that case pled guilty to counts of aiding and, be- and abetting the filing of false tax returns, which um, is a lot less... Um, sexy than <laughs> sexual harassment, uh, to use a bad term there. Um, but on, on the judgment issue, Rosenberg ha- had a heads up a few years ago when um, the spouse who was not a spouse at the time was kind of doing a version of, of, of bullying and, and suggesting that he had political influence. He said they were setting up a firewall, um, and it looked like there really wasn't a firewall. Yeah, and I think I mean, how do you react to that, Bill? Because what I'm hearing a lot of people say is that is that had it not been for that earlier episode, it might be playing out a little differently now. But people feel like there were a lot of concerns raised about Brian Hefner in uh, uh, th- about three years ago, and there's a sense that those you know those haven't been addressed, and that the sort of uh, firewall that you know the term that Rosenberg used. Uh, has yeah. not really held, and so you know, you know, it's kind of one strike and you're out, or maybe this is the second, two strikes and you're out. I guess. Um, well, I don't think we really know if that firewall held or not. I mean, there's certainly it's there's no denying that those those earlier actions or allegations certainly work against Stan now going forward, but we still don't know if if Hafner is doing anything more than just talking off the top of his head about the influence he has with Stan. And we'll find out more right. on. But I, for all we know, that firewall still held. And getting back to to earlier, it always troubled me that uh, Hillary Clinton had to constantly pay for the sins of Bill. And uh, I, th- I think that's been unfair. I think the tyranny issue. Uh, I think he probably was was fairly complicit in his involvement with his wife's activities. But in, in this case, we don't know that. And as I said before, Hillary Clinton is, is constantly being prodded and poked and criticized for Bill Clinton's actions, and she was a, a victim. She was not responsible. Right. And, and I mean, I agree that it, what happened to Hillary Clinton, for one thing, was unfair. But again, in the real world, um, in the real political world, fairness isn't, unfortunately, isn't always the measure. I don't mean to sound cynical about it. And as far as, um, it, it's almost like, did Rosenberg know or should he have known? And mm-hmm. in terms of the perception of political influence, whether it was real or um, whether the spouse was just talking off the top of his head, 
it's kind of what the person on the other side thought. If the accuser thought that Hefner had political influence um, and that prevented them, that they were afraid they couldn't do their business before the state because of it, I mean, that perception then becomes a reality. So I think that's another problem for, for Rosenberg. Yeah, it's certain, that yeah, certainly I mean, is true, yes. And it's, it's, not, it's not being cynical either because this is reality of politics. Uh, you know, we saw Al Franken leave yesterday, and he, he should have. But a week from now, we're going to see the likes of Roy Moore come in the door. And that's not right, and it's not fair, but it also is politics. Right, right. I think, I mean, I think Joan's point is well taken that it really almost, I mean, there's kind of, and, and Stan Rosenberg said when he came out and made his brief statement, I think, uh, at the beginning of, of, uh, of this week, uh, you know, that if Hefner had said he had influence, that was incorrect. He has none, et cetera, but it almost doesn't matter. And I think most people that I've talked to, and again, no one knows for sure, most people doubt that he really did influence the course of some legislation or some action. And I think that has to do with, you know, the regard people have for Rosenberg. But it almost doesn't matter, as Joan's saying, if there were people and all of these alleged victims had some business at the State House, if if they were under, you know, the impression or that 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 this guy had some clout to wield, that's a that's a real problem for Rosenberg. And I don't know, at this point, what he could say just on that simple basis, other than to say, okay, now I really mean it; it won't happen. Right. I mean, I think that's interesting. What could he say? And also thinking back, it was only last Friday, right, a week ago, that uh, then President Rosenberg stepped outside of his office and read that statement and um, didn't take any questions afterwards. Right. And far be it for me to suggest an alternative press strategy, because you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be responsible for advice or anything like that. But retroact, thinking back, I just wonder, had he said, ask me anything, I, you know, that old line, I'll stay here until every question is answered. If he had addressed the questions then and tried to put them in some context that would have given him, um, you know, perhaps some limb to stand on or whatever, right. um, that, that might have bought him a little bit more time. But I think the way he handled it, read the statement, withdraw, uh, don't answer questions, kind of left the pro- left it with no choice. It was going to end the way it did. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I was up there watching it. It was a tense a uh, couple, you know, two minutes was about all that he came out for, and uh, and you're right. I mean, I think, you know, he said I've been advised not to. I mean, I think it, it, this thing is just such a mess. I mean, that's the uh, that's the only way to put it because I think also, I mean, there is now the potential of a criminal investigation. So I, that may, I don't know if that gets to why he was advised to not take any questions. Although I think they would not have really gone to those issues necessarily. Right, because I think the sad part is that he, as a politician, went into this whole thing with more credibility and likability than a lot of politicians, and that there was really an initial um, reaction that people were kind of rooting for him to somehow come through on the other side of it. Maybe no, I'm wrong, I, no, but I, 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 that's, that's the way right. I felt about it. I think there's like, a, I don't know if the word, a probity about Stan Rosenberg, or nobody really had the sense of, uh, I mean, he's just not thought of as kind of one of the kind of operators or schemers up on Beacon Hill. I mean, in in a certain sense. I mean, obviously he's he plays the the political game as best he can and calculates his moves and tries to advance his interests. But there was a, 
you know, there was kind of this wonky, good government, you know, policy-focused air about him that, uh, that, that, that he had always had. And there is some irony, I think, I guess you'd say, in this idea that, that you know, I mean, we, I, don't, I don't know that we've had, uh, we've had some issues with speakers, but I'm trying to think of, a, uh, you know, there was some issues with Senate President Bulger, but he left eventually to go to UMass. I don't know if we really can try to remember a Senate president that was essentially toppled because of questions about their conduct. There's an irony in a way that it would be Stan Rosenberg. Yeah. Out here in Western Mass, of course, out here in the hills, we have a, a special interest in, in, in Stan Rosenberg's future because he's from Amherst. And it's, it's very unusual for any person, uh, any state senator or representative to get into a leadership position. That's usually taken by uh, the Bostonians. So it's been great to have someone from way out west who comes out and visits here, which the previous Senate, state Senate president never showed up here for an ed board meeting or anything or many town hall meetings. He comes out here and, we, and he's, he's very approachable. He knows about Western Mass issues. So we really would feel his loss if he goes. But I would agree with Joan. Uh, we're always urging transparency here. And uh, I think his instincts have always been to be transparent. Now, if he got all lawyered up and was told not to talk to the press, then I do think he made a mistake. He should have come forward and answered questions, as Joan suggested. I wish he had. Yeah, and and um, and what I mean, one question about the sort of transparency, or or you know, again, there's kind of the the, re- the reality of what the investigation will show, and then I think as Joan keeps reminding us, the kind of political reality on the ground of what's possible. You know, it, it seems unclear what the uh, investigation by the Senate committee will, where that will go. Can I guess the question is, can it proceed if without without any of the alleged victims being willing to share their story? Uh, uh, otherwise, we've got essentially the report, you know, that uh, Yvonne Abraham had in the Globe with the uh, anonymous, uh, you know, victims speaking. Well, yeah, that's I, I, a really good point. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. You go. Oh, go ahead, John. I'll catch up with you. Uh, well, all I was going to say is that's a really good point. Like, what is there to investigate unless these anonymous accusers are willing to come forward and be interviewed and have their credibility tested? And I have no idea if any of them are willing to do that. I, I don't know who they are. Um, and if no one does, then it's just um, Brian Hefner's word right against right. anonymous uh, accusations in a in a news report right which although i have to say that i i think if you saw his their statements he hasn't denied it right no uh, one's denied it pardon i said no one right right, right. no one's I denied mean, it i mean it was that was by, i think maybe the most painful statement i read so far it's hard to know how to respond to anonymous allegations well you could categorically deny that he's done anything like this but that isn't again that isn't what what came out so again whether fairly or not, I think that only fed the perception that, yeah, there certainly is something to this, and he's not, uh, you know, again, he hasn't, he hasn't denied it. But it still leaves us, I think, as Joan's saying, with this possibility, what if we end up with sort of the committee having to decide, or maybe even just more the political reality having to be senators just decide, you know what, we're going to move on, we're going to elect a new Senate president, but, but the, we really don't get much further to the bottom of this. Well, with an independent investigator, I'm, I'm hoping that someone will come through and uh, two or three or maybe all four of the, of the anonymous victims may testify. But of course, this is politics. I mean, politics leaks like a sieve. 
And I, I still think uh, that the people are going to be concerned, unfortunately, that even given uh, a, a pledge that uh, whatever they say come, will not come out and their names will not be revealed, they, they still have to be a little bit concerned. But I'm hoping that if we can create, again, to use the term firewall, enough of an uh, independence on the part of this investigator, then, then maybe we can get the facts through this investigation. Thinking about it politically, again, I would think that the one thing that might actually save Stan Rosenberg in the end could be politics. When you have three other people vying for the job um, and, and like trying to get enough votes behind the scene to succeed him, um, the ultimate end could be, well, to prevent any one of the three from succeeding, let him go back to it. I, I'm just, just thinking that that could be some sort of a ironic ending to Maybe, it all. But it would be yeah. as kind of a weakened lame duck, or I mean, there's still a sense that, you know, he may not serve that long. And so then they all kind of regroup and sort of uh, figure out their strategy for the for the for the battle to succeed him that might be a couple of years out. I guess that's I possible. I mean, if they like him enough, they might want to just let him preserve some dignity in all this, because I do think the other really sad part of it is that the, you know, so the personal side, the sense that somebody had kind of found a measure of happiness in his personal life after um, a long time of not having it, and then this kind of betrayal, I guess I'm thinking it more of maybe from a, a female point of view, I don't know, but it just seemed kind of sad that this was, you know, this the way that it that it ended for him, um, yeah. and that he deserved better than that. Oh, I, it is, I agree. It is I really think... a tragic story, and, it, and and that gets overlooked. It's a human story. Not I just think that's human. right, and I think that right. It, I should it, have said human, not female. Yeah. No, I mean, there, it's exactly right. There is this poignancy, and I mean, it almost feels a little awkward. You know, I mean, Stan Rosenberg, who I did a profile on right when he became Senate President, which was an interesting exercise because. I mean, he was quite willing to talk at length about all of the issues he cares about, but getting him to talk about himself more personally was like pulling teeth. He's extremely private. He's just never been comfortable with it. And, uh, um, you know, even when he came out of the closet, I mean, everybody I've talked to on Beacon Hill, they all say, you remember how he did it? I, th I think it was in the Daily Hampshire Gazette. He wrote a column, uh, I think, on July 4th, and like about two-thirds of the way down, he was talking about... Uh, you know, standing up for people. And anyway, he, he just put in a sentence, as a gay man. That was that was Stan Rosenberg's uh, way of, of kind of trying to sort of bring into public light, you know, sort of who he was on a personal level. And I think, he again, he, it, 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 it was a hard thing for him to do. He is very private, and, and there's some poignancy that he, as Joan said, finally seemed to have a chance fairly late in life to sort of live live more honestly and openly, but, but uh, you know, it's been no secret around Beacon Hill that people thought, uh, you know, that his choice of partners was, uh, was someone who was, you know, you know, maybe sort of the, that pursuit on his personal life could be the undoing of the thing that he had s striven for throughout his whole professional life was to, you know, have this position in the Senate. And I don't know, there, there yeah. was some sort of Tra tragedy yeah, and all so getting that. back and to what, what I mean, Joan was saying earlier, when it, I picked up the Boston Globe. Briefly, does it, what reading, does it mean for the, uh, the legislature story. or the Senate? You know, at this point, do you do either of you have a sense of uh, of that? And uh, well, I'll leave that to someone other than myself to judge. But I think that the point of of what it means to Western Massachusetts is really 
pretty important because we are so Boston-centric here. Right. And to have had that voice and to have had that person in the leadership position, a huge, as Bill said, like a huge loss. Um, and I, I'm not sure how you make up for that one. No, and uh, it, it really bothered me, too, reading The Globe about how um, there are three candidates emerging almost immediately. To, to take over as state Senate president when the story was like a day old. I guess. And I think it was, it was kind of in, in, in poor taste. And maybe, as you were saying, Joe, maybe he'll look, he'll look better in some ways coming out of this because he's always been a kind of a class act. Well, I've, as I read in the Globe, it was unprecedented, right, for yeah. candidates to vie for a job so publicly um, when the body was still warm, so to speak. <laughs> right. And I think that has part of what's feeding the sense that even though some of them, or they all at least officially said, you know, if a vacancy occurs, I'll be a candidate. But I think that a lot of people were reading that, that signal that the three of them were willing to do that as reflecting maybe a wider, a wider sense within the Senate that, that uh, they're probably going to proceed to, uh, to elect a new Senate president. Again, I have no way of knowing that's true. And, and, and again, it, it feels premature given that we have no investigation even begun, never mind uh, concluded yet. Yeah, um, there's, there's a lot of haste, I think, in a lot of these allegations. We, we certainly see that uh, all over the spectrum, whether it's movies or, or politicians or anywhere else in the entertainment world. There's kind of a it become a rush to judgment. Certainly, it was triggered by Harvey Weinstein, and uh, he deserved everything he got. But there are there are shades of gray, and I think uh, that's maybe it's getting lost in these these harassment issues. And I think that's what we're seeing a bit with the Rosenberg case because we haven't had an investigation. No one has accused him yet of any wrongdoing. So I think everyone should settle down on Beacon Hill and let this play out for a while. I hope they well, will. We'll see. We'll see if they do that. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't hold my breath. They seem to no, be, me neither. Uh, yeah, what the term that people keep saying that was it? They're smelling blood in the water. I mean, just all the horrible metaphors. But it is how how uh, how how the political world often reacts and operates. So, yeah. um, all right. Well, this has been a great conversation. Um, I want to thank you, Bill Everhart from the Berkshire Eagle, uh, for joining us uh, virtually out there in Pittsfield. Uh, thanks, thanks, Bill. My pleasure. And Joan Vinaki from the Boston Globe, thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. And this has been another installment of the Codcast from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm Michael Jonas. You can listen to the Codcast every week. You can subscribe to it via SoundCloud or iTunes. Thanks again for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time.